Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek. This week, we're going to be talking about what is normal weather. Before I get there, hope you've had a good weather week. Mine has had signs of spring, signs of uh, close to summer, but some nice blue sky days. And actually, it gave me a chance to get outside and play around with doing some video stuff again. Now, I'm not going to get there yet. Nothing nothing complete to announce yet. Just kind of trying some things on, seeing if it feels right. It's actually something a little different, different than any of the past stuff I've done. But, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Also heard heard from someone wanting to sponsor the podcast. And, yeah, i got to decide whether I'm going to do that kind of stuff. Open to the idea. just want to make sure it won't compromise my ability to discuss things. But given what we talk about here, I don't think it'll do that. I'll let you know if that happens. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I've got mixed feelings about that sort of thing. I appreciate historically that the people who are the listeners and viewers have done that instead but I could see some benefits in doing the other way around just don't know where I'm going to go with that yet the other thing I found myself dealing with this week was weather words or words that use the word weather and this actually had to do with something else I was working on but I found myself in a list of words that have the word weather. And it's interesting because some of them really have a lot to do with weather, while others, it doesn't, It I guess the connection isn't as obvious. So, you know, you can go with words like weatherize or weatherproof or weatherization, and you might even use weatherboarding to do that. But it, that's all about protecting from the weather, right? Maybe it, a building or your home or whatever it might be. Then there's other ones that are logical, like a weather caster or weather person might deliver you a weather cast, you know, if you will. And they might use a tool called a weather glass. But there's some that, you know, are are silly, like weathercock, which is just a weather vane that happens to be based on a rooster or chicken. And you've probably seen one before sitting on the top of a building somewhere. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Pictures of them out there. But then there's other ones that even those scientific, like weathering or weather-worn, create something that's weathered or unweathered. But you don't really think of that as being weather, per se. You think of it as the way something looks or feels over a period of time. And that's actually, it's related to this week's episode, which is kind of where it tangentially touched this topic. But then there were some others, like something being a weathered or weatherly, which had to do with sailing. It's logical, a lot of wind use in sailing, but it is at terms that maybe you run into on a daily basis. In any case, a lot of weather going on out there. And like I said, that one that had to do with weathering had to do with the topic that we're going to get in today about normal weather. Now, the North, the reason I decided to do it this week is the North Atlantic hurricane season officially, if you will, kicked off around this weekend, 15th of May. And the East Pacific hurricane season is always start around the 15th of May. But the North Atlantic one traditionally, the 
the date has been June 1st doesn't mean you can't have a storm beforehand. And because we've had some and because we've recently adjusted the norms in the weather world, that change was made. And so I got some questions around that, but also just in the past month because of these new norms. So NOAA has announced new what we call normal periods, all right, for weather records. Okay. And we do this from time to time because traditionally the space in the weather world that we use is a 30-year period. I don't know who came up with that. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that can be tricky and maybe hopefully address some of the confusion around it. Although, you know, for all I know, I may make things more confusing. This is why I tend not to like to do these topics because in my mind, I can understand what my words mean to me, but just even based on the questions, I can understand why it's confusing. And, I, and I'll give you an example of that. You know, I used, I gave you all those weather words and some of them seem very related to weather. But a lot of them are just words as a descriptor that someone thought was related that we don't necessarily associate with it. But I found myself in dictionary.com looking up the definition of weather and it said the state of the atmosphere with respect to wind, temperature, cloudiness, moisture, pressure, etc. But more or less the state of the atmosphere. What's going on in the atmosphere around us? Okay. But what was kind of missing from that was a time frame. And I did look at some other sites. Some other ones said for a short period of time. You, know, you could still argue, what does that mean a short period of time? Because if I took that weather definition, I said the state of the atmosphere with respect to wind, temperature, cloudiness, moisture, pressure, etc., and I don't give you an understanding of what the state is, you could also use that same definition for climate. And this is kind of what I wanted to get to because people have been asking me, you know, I always get questions about weather versus climate. And with these new norms, it seemed like a good time to try to address this. And I still get back to definitions, which I have referenced here before, which is weather is what's happening. All right. So it is the state, but the state in, in more real time, but you could also describe it as, you know, what was your weather yesterday? Because it's saying, okay, I had a cloudy day or a rainy day, right? But you can't necessarily infer anything from that, like what today's going to be like, because yesterday was cloudy, right? The best way I like to think of climatology, and you've heard me mention it, it's what's expected versus what's what happened, okay? So even though both of those are in the past, you expected something and you got something else. So the weather was the thing that was the something else. And the climatology or the climate for an area, if you will, was what was expected. Now, this is the tricky part, right? Because realistically, you can look at a situation and say, okay, well, what's that based on? What's the time period? Well, that's where this 30-year time period comes into play. Now, what you might also have heard me before is mention some stuff where I consider climatology being a shorter period of time. And there are many cases where I don't consider 30 years anywhere near enough amount of time. Because the more we start to understand about the natural world, the more we understand that some things, some changes, some oscillation in the way the world works, right, in, in the context of the what we even understand today of you know, our, our solar system, right, 
Some things might have a much longer transition period between its, its naturally oscillating highs and lows. And that's the key thing here is very few things stay steady state, never changing, right? And how that might impact what we think or what our expectations become from the future. And this is where I do caution people with climate models. I understand why we run them. And I understand the goal and the objective is to learn more about what we might think the future looks like. But it's the tricky part of projecting the past and the future. Because if you don't fully understand the past, you think you do. But the more we look back and the longer we look back, the more we go, oh, well, maybe there's something that is, you know, that occurs on a 200-year cycle or a 500-year cycle. Or think about how long man's recording this, and maybe there's something on a thousand-year cycle that we have no clue about yet. And it, it's good to recognize that there might be these things. Now, those things may change the outcome so little that it doesn't matter, and there's probably some of that. But it's important to remember that those underlying things that we don't fully understand may impact how we, even our best efforts to project to the future, could still impact what the future looks like. And... When the world changes in a certain way or the weather changes or the, the climate, if you will, changes, if you change the baseline, it may also influence what the future looks like because the, it's influencing the baseline state from which you're trying to create an expectation. So this is why very seldom is the client, the climate, excuse me, the climate what we see in weather. And, you know, that's what's important to keep in mind. Because it's an expectation. It's not a, it's not a reality. It's not even a forecast in most cases. Right? It's trying to understand some, you know, framework from which you can work towards or some underlying expectation. But without understanding a couple of key components around it, it can be very tricky. And, and let me tell you what I, you know, why I say that and why I think it's important for you to keep it in mind when you think about climate versus anything you're going to make a decision about in the future with respect to the weather versus what a historical climate can tell you about the future. Okay. Quite often when we look at climatology or we make future projections based on, on what a climate's going to be, we see a mean all right, or the average. Now, almost anybody that's going to be listening to this podcast hopefully knows what a mean or an average is, but we've done it for a variety of things in our lives. It's how you're graded. You know, it's a might have a bunch of tests you're given, and it creates an average, right? And an average, you need know, just take the number, do add them up, do some division, get to you know, what all the most common number that you might expect. But what's probably equally as important is how many numbers did we have that went into that average, right? Was it a sample size of five? Or was it a sample size of, you know, 5,000? As an example, you take the number 75, and let's say you've got it five times. The 75, 75, 75, 75, 75. Your average is 75, Okay. And a second number that's important is the median, 
or the middle value is also 75. Okay. I mean, take the following numbers, 1, 1, 1, 1, and 370. Well, you almost get to precisely an average of 75 with rounding you do. Okay. So there's two cases where the average was 75 on both. The median on one was 75. And the median on the other was one, which is completely irrelevant compared to the other. Or drastically different, if you will. And then there's we've also got things of called variance. Or, you know, you maybe you've heard standard deviation, all that stuff. But those numbers are trying to give you an idea of how much change there might be. So let's take something more realistic. Let's throw the one 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 example out. But let's take you have 65, 75, 85. And maybe on the other side you throw in a 60 and you throw in a 90. Okay. Still get to the average of 75. <laughs> and that's good. It's good to know. Maybe, you know, it's, it seems a little more realistic, some above, some below. But that variance is pretty meaningful. So let's say you're planning a vacation. You're going somewhere. And you look at the average high for this time of year, 75 Fahrenheit. And maybe you look at the average low, and it's 50 Fahrenheit. And you're trying to pack clothes and figure it out. You go, okay, around 75. Well, that equates to this in my head. But realistically, what you should be looking at is the variance on that number because that's going to give you a better idea of what you know, theoretically could happen. And as I tell most people, if you look at the variance, you know, the, the high and low, and if you can go back more than 30 years, you get to something that gives you a better understanding of how you might make a decision. Now, it may make it more complicated because you got to pack warm clothes and cold clothes, and you might have to make a call. Maybe you have a a warm layer, you know, you, or you take some you know, basic layers in case it's warm, and then you have something you can throw over it. If on one of those days it really is warmer than the other days, then what the climatology would tell you. And this plays out. This isn't just in vacations. Growing up, get out in the working world, still living in the Atlanta area. Atlanta wins the awarded the Olympic Games for the summer. And I thought to myself, I was still surprised. And I wasn't surprised because I didn't think Atlanta deserved to win them. But I was surprised because I never thought of Atlanta's summer climate as being conducive to sporting activities. Still don't think it's that way. It can be very hot and very humid. And it can really zap you. And anybody, you know, I, I played enough sports that the summertime was one of the times you really tried to avoid it. And you, you hoped for fall season to start a little later in fall and spring season to finish before it got there because it could it just drains you, right? And same thing with the Olympic Games. The time, the month they were talking about, the time frame they were talking about, yes, the averages might tell you it can be okay. But if you look at the variance and what some of the worst case scenarios are, hi, bye. It could be pretty drastic, and I'm not sure you really want to be during there during that. And I think we experienced just that. I, I think there were some days that were fine, but there were definitely some days where, I mean, I went down and, and watched some of the events, and I was like, ugh, i got to get from this place to that place, and how am I going to do it without sweating to death sort of thing. So this is why, even though that 30-year period, these new norms that Noah's put out may be particularly, they might be long enough to paint a, a valid picture, and Here's what you got to keep in mind. Most of the time when people are using those things, they're not even using a single date. They may say for the week or for the month of June. So it's not only 30 years, it's 30 years times 30 days of the month of June. So you've got more sample 
to work with, right? It's a larger sample set. So it really boils down to what you're trying to do and what you're trying to decide. And while it's useful to have these reference periods, they are just that. They're reference periods. And you really should think about when you're trying to make a decision, if you are related to weather data, and hopefully after listening to this podcast, you're more likely to incorporate using weather in your decision-making process. It also makes it a little more complex than just saying, okay, what was the, the norm back then? Because... This is what I don't like about people saying, and even when I've used it, that climate is the expected. Climate is an expectation based on history. But to me, climatology is really what has happened. Okay, And it's not just what has happened yesterday. It's what's happened with enough time frame to provide you insight as to what could happen, not necessarily what is expected to happen. I don't like using the word expected because it may not be depending on the amount of data you have to look at. So hopefully with enough of the, the data points I've talked about, for example, what the mean is isn't maybe enough, but the mean with the variance, maybe it is. Maybe with the mean and the variance, you can look at a vacation and say, eh, it's going to be somewhere likely in, in this range, and maybe that's enough. But the more complex and the more meaningful that decision, the more you need to look at not just simply an average or maybe not just simply 30 years. If you're trying to project something out 50 years into the future or 100 years in the future, why would you only look at 30 years of history? It just doesn't make sense. right? So, so make sure you're taking the time steps in context with the decision you're making. And the more data, generally speaking, the better, as long as it's valid data and you didn't have some you know, major change from the temperature for a certain location previously reported by a crow that flew by versus a valid instrument that measured it. I don't know. Just something to keep in mind. I hope you found that useful. I know that, again, when I get these questions, I always try to follow up and, and understand the context or why someone is asking me about that because sometimes people just truly want to understand how do you define the two or how do you differentiate the two and I you know I try to give them a, a basic definition of that but if they're really trying to do some analysis with it try to help them understand about you know what I might do in in the context of what they're trying to glean from the climatology if you will let me know what you think. If, if you have questions like this or whatever, it, like I said, I don't always turn this stuff into podcast episodes. I get these questions so often, though, that every now and then if I get a, the, kind of the same thing again and again, I'll, I'll do a topic with it. And realistically, it just seemed a good time with these other changes based on new norms, uh, as I mentioned. But when I got into those, the, all those weather words, it was for a completely different episode that you'll hear about. It has more to do with weathering, I guess, if you will, than it has to do with some of the other weather words. But reach out. What is about the weather at gmail.com? You can find me the same place on Twitter. Uh, YouTube. I forget. I, I need to memorize what that YouTube link is. What is it about the weather on YouTube as well? But you might it might follow the it's YouTube slash M or something. I don't know. I'll remember it. I promise next time. Or maybe the time after that. If I'm gonna start doing videos again, you'll hear it. And of course, if you want to support the podcast.
patreon.com slash weather. All right, before I let you go, did you come across an interesting paper? I'm going to put a link in the show notes that talked about the potential between solar and El Nino and La Nina. And that's relevant, again, because it's hurricane season, and those things do tend to influence the hurricane season. But it talked about possibly a possible solar cycle connection. And one of the criticisms of the paper, and I understood where it's coming from, it's valid. This is, It's a new idea, right? And so anytime you're going to, you'd get a tend towards more criticism was, do we have enough length of record given the measurements to actually make the suggested connection? Because what they couldn't provide is a, is a firm physical connection. They, they hypothesized on some, but it was really more of a statistical analysis of what they saw in the data stream and how that might be related. And so, and, and maybe it very well is. But they're going to have to work through that or some other people that, that take the research that's been done and, and run with it. If you like that kind of stuff, link in the show notes. Otherwise, I'm going to let you go. Let you enjoy your weather as opposed to getting caught up in your climate. But it's all just a reminder that there's much more weather than the weather itself. <laughs>